Welcome everyone to the Carolina Outdoors. This is the literary segment of the Carolina Outdoors. Bill Barty here, Wes Lawson right there. Bill, you know, it's literary, but it's also uh, a pretty picture book with some good <laughs> useful maps. So uh, not everybody's going to be in on the literary part, but you're going to love this book. This is a treat that we have today. It is a treat because it is summertime in the Carolinas and so many people are getting out and about. School is out for most and many, and they are heading out to do things. Now, where do they need to do these things? That's what we're going to talk about right now. The Southern Appalachian Fly Guide is a book that will help you decide where you are going to go adventuring, especially with a fly rod. And we're going to bring on the author to the Carolina Outdoors right now. Jeb Hall, welcome. Hey, how's it going? It is going great. We're looking forward to um, adventuring with your book, The Southern Appalachian Fly Guide, where we should uh, go fishing. But it's more than just a a fishing book. It's not, uh, you know, it it has pretty pictures, as Wes said. But tell us, before we get into the details of this book, um, what was the inspiration of The Southern Appalachian Fly Guide? Um, You know, there wasn't a really good guidebook for our area. Uh, there were some older guidebooks, but they weren't very uh, up-to-date or or as helpful as they could have been. And and no one else had done anything like this with the fishing, for fishing in our area before. And so I decided somebody's got to do it, so it might as well be me. And now, Jeb, when you start, when you decided that you were going to tackle this project for all for the benefit of all mankind, how long did it take you to plot this out? Because this book, I mean, you break it down by more than a dozen different regions. I mean, it, it is a comprehensive book. How much planning went into you getting this book ready to ready for publication? Uh, you know, each edition, so there's two editions, and really the second edition is just double the streams. It's the same one plus plus twice as many. Each one took about two years, and that's with me guiding full-time and trying to be a whitewater kayaker and well, all that good stuff. I know, but that's part of the table of contents, and you and you kind of listed out is how to use this book. So, for our listeners out there in Carolina outdoor world, um, give us the breakdown. As if we have this book in our arsenal, how do we use it? Well, the thing to do is just to to kind of pick out what you want to do, right? So, if if it's just by location and pick out where you are. And then you can go back there and, and find your region and find all the streams in that region. Or if there's a particular type of fishing you like to do, you can, like, let's say brook trout fishing, hike in, wild trout only sort of stuff. You can find all those streams in our area and just focus on those. Or if, you, if you're if you just getting started and you're, you're wanting to fish some delayed harvest, you can find all those in there as well. Yeah, I think that has that, that is certainly one of the benefits of this book for uh, it does hit so many different angling backgrounds. We do have a lot of customers who come into Jesse Brown's Outdoors to pick this up because maybe they have more experiencing fishing out west and they want to ha- try to replicate that here closer to home where they're new. Or we sell a lot of these as gifts to people who have a loved one who is an angler 
And this is a good way to kind of help build up their own background and experience. So we know that you're kind of based in the Brevard-Davidson River area, but what are some of the maybe lesser-known streams that, that you would recommend folks to give a, give a second look at, not talking about the Davidson or the Mitchell or Wilson Creek, those kind of powerhouse rivers? Where would you send somebody? Where would I send somebody? We're not going to hot-hole anything. We don't want to you know, get, get the comment section all fired up. But what are some of those maybe overlooked gems out there? You know, the Fork to the French Broad are pretty amazing. I don't know if you guys have ever fished like the North Fork sure. of the French Broad or the West Fork of the French Broad. Well, and especially in the summertime, because those both uh, fish, now that we're getting into the warmer weather months, uh, those are, are two um, Asheville area, I guess, streams that are good w- for that. Um, Jeb, with the pandemic kind of we're emerging from that, and so many people got outdoors and, and were fishing our North Carolina mountains all over, using your guidebook to, to get out there. There is a thing that you do. You have a few words on fishing etiquette. Will you give us the breakdown on the six rules to make for a pleasant fishing experience? Well, the first thing is just give people some space, you know, and that can... That can be as easily as easy as just not, you know, filling up one roadside pullout with with a bunch of cars, right? So if there's a car or two parked in a, a spot that you're thinking about going to, then maybe that's a good time to to try a different spot that you haven't tried before and just, you know, leave some room. But if that's the only place there is to park and you see somebody fishing a pool, then try to give them at least. I, what I would say, tail to head of pool, like give them riffle to riffle, let them have that pool, and then and then you start in the next pool up. But if you can give them even more than that, that's better. But hopping right in the same pool with someone that you don't know might not be a good idea. What What about the rule of uh, always trying to fish upstream? And have you ever gotten any anyone to um, maybe want to argue about that that they prefer downstream fishing? Talk to us about that. So if if everyone fishes upstream and everyone's headed in the same direction, right, then then we know where each other is at, right? The only time that downstream fishing would make sense in a crowded situation, well, and it might not even be that crowded, then is if the water's high and you're streamer fishing, you almost have to you almost have to work downstream to to get a proper presentation. Um, but no one's ever ever really tried to argue with me about the about the always try to fish upstream. And all the fish are facing upstream anyway for the most part, so it's always better to approach from behind them. Of course, I always uh, love rule number three that you list. Uh, never ask to squeeze in or fish through a hole. And then this is quoted on your few words on fishing etiquette. These requests are not dissimilar to asking if you can date your friend's wife or telling your boss he makes too much money. <laughs> so if, yeah. you, if you see somebody in a fishing hole, do not ask them to squeeze in. If you can squeeze in or fish through that hole, <laughs> as well as uh, don't shuffle gravel or churn in trout streams. And then maybe one of the most important, and, and I'll get you to comment on this, because I know you've worked in a fly shop and guided out of fly shops, but never judge other anglers 
for their method of fishing or the tackle they use. Can you speak on that? Yeah, I think I kind of feel like there's in in the world of fly fishing, and it maybe not as much as it used to be, but but definitely in the world of fly fishing, we sort of we might look down on people that are fishing with conventional gear. Um, we might look down on someone that's fishing with, let's say, not a, a higher end rod and reel that comes from a fly shop. Maybe they don't look look the part, so we discount that person. You know, but their their time on the water is just as important as your time on the water. So, you know, and if it's if it's if the if it's illegal for them to fish with conventional tackle and whatever method they're doing, then then it's their it's their option to do that. I think you're absolutely so. right. You know, for a lot of our listeners who maybe are hunters, it's sort of like when when uh, the archery crowd and the muzzleloader crowd and the and the rifle and shotgun crowd get together. And even within that, you have subsets. And fishing is no different, especially when we get into fly fishing. Now, it seems like in the last couple of years, we've had a little bit of an explosion, certainly at Jesse Brown's, and I'm sure you've seen it too over in, in the Brevard area, of uh, Euro-nymphing or Czech-nymphing. Talk us through or talk our listeners through briefly kind of the difference in that and sort of the more traditional fly fishing and where maybe we could try places that are a little bit better for Euro-nymphing than others. So with the, with the Euro-nymphing or the tight-line nymphing, you're fishing, you really don't even have to fish a fly line. You could just put some heavy monofilament or something on your, your fly reel. You're basically fishing a leader with a cider, and it's a, it's a presentation that requires you to, to keep the rod elevated and follow that leader down, and, and you're you're kind of bouncing the bottom with your bottom nymph, and you're really doing this very controlled drift. But that most often works best in in riffles, uh, tighter spots. It's really hard to to do that in a big, slick, wide pool. You have to get a little closer to the fish. Um, that's a great that's a great way to fish in in plunge pool streams like the forks of the french broad that i was talking about earlier like below all those rapids in there those are great spots for for the euro nymphing um a lot of the tighter faster water on the davidson yields itself to euro nymphing the nanahala great spot for the euro nymphing our guest is jeb hall here on the carolina outdoors with west lawson bill barty his book the southern appalachian fly guide has gotten a lot of attention over the past few years since its publication. It's in its second printing right now, and whether this time of year you have a graduate in your life that needs a gift, Father's Day, this is always a popular book at Jesse Brown's for Father's Day, or maybe you just want an idea of where you can go fishing. The Southern Appalachian Fly Guide, $39.95 at Jesse Brown's, provides all of these things. The book's organized into 14 regions, and each region contains an overall map of the streams in that area. Also, directions to each stream are provided with easy access to each stream and, and places to fish along with the regulations of that stream and descriptions of that stream and the times to go to each of the streams. Along with that, there's also a fish, insect, ID, and hatch guide that are provided within the book the Southern Appalachian Fly Guide. So with all of that being said, Jeb, you also have a wonderful collection of photography 
on each and every page practically of the book. Is that photography yours or was it stuff that you gathered for the publication? So part of the photography is mine. Um, Part of it is Leland Davis who helped me work on that project. Um, Some of it I gathered from some of the folks down there around Brevard. A little bit of it, I would say. Uh, Some of it's my wife. She was a professional photographer. That's what she went to school for the first time around with photography, and she has a photography degree from FIT in Lower Manhattan. So having having her to kind of coach me sort of helped with all that stuff, but I definitely love taking pictures. Well, it sounds like, no wonder the photography is beautiful. <laughs> I mean, you had some trained eyes uh, participating uh, with the photography in the book. It's beautiful. And as they say, a picture's worth a thousand words. Um, these pictures in here definitely kind of help cover that base. Uh, when the book came out, um, and I know you have spoken on it, you've been on the Carolina Outdoors uh, before as well commenting on the book um what's the biggest takeaway that people thank you for or maybe they want to argue with with you about like oh i wish you hadn't put bradley creek in there or uh do they thank you for certain aspects of the book more than others you know no one's ever directly confronted me about putting something in the book they didn't want in there most people thank me because they all of a sudden have more options that they can fish, things that they hadn't thought about doing. They're just getting into the sport. They just moved here. So it just kind of opens a lot of doors for them. And it, if anything, it just gets them into different drainages that they might not have fished before. And once they fish the stream that's listed in the book, they discover some other things that feed into that or nearby that aren't in the book that are kind of a little bit more uh, secretive or less lesser known, and um, it just kind of opens up new spots to fish for them. Your home—I don't think I'm speaking out of turn as as, as I say this—but your home uh, fly shop, Davidson River Outfitters, you have guided really around the world as well, whether it be Alaska, spending time in the Bahamas, um, you mountain bike, you whitewater raft, you you do gardening what's the next jeb hall project you've got all those things going on are they still going on and what's next um they're still going on i rode i rode my mountain bike yesterday and um i could end up going kayaking today but currently my my wife is in the last decade changed from being a photographer to a spa owner an esthetician so that has started to keep me busier and busier and so that's, I think that's kind of part of my, part of the Jeb Hall project right now is helping her grow that business in downtown Asheville. So I never thought I'd be saying that in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just said it on the Carolina Outdoors. Wes and I would both also like to thank you, too, for putting forth the Southern Appalachian Fly Guide, helping our friends and uh, patrons at Jesse Brown's be able to find these new drainages, new streams, or maybe being reminded of old friends uh, that these creeks and rivers are in our southern Appalachian. 
And also thanks for joining us here on the Carolina Outdoors and spreading the word. Yeah, thank you for having me. Off he goes. That's Jeb Hall, author of the Southern Appalachian Fly Guide. If you're interested in getting outdoors with a fly rod in North Carolina, we recommend you stop by Jesse Brown's at Sharon Corners or just head over there to www.jessebrowns.com. We sell them that way too. Complimentary gift wrapping if you want to get one for Father's Day. We're going to take a quick break, come back on the other side. He's Wes Lawson. I'm Bill Barty. We're the Outdoor Guys from Jesse Brown's.